0: Before we begin this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I just wanted to let everyone know that we are now available on Stitcher as well as iTunes. The feedback and support we have been getting for the show has been amazing and thank you so much for listening every week. If you want to reach out to us, you can write to us at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can join the Instagram page at letstalkaboutchef or you can follow me personally at chefbrianclark. If you are back for a new episode, welcome back and if you are new to us, it is great to have you. I also just want to take a second to warn you that because this episode is about Gordon Ramsey, there are going to be clips being played that will absolutely contain language that some may find inappropriate. If you are listening in the car or have kids around, you may want to skip this one. To make some of his better, more poetic insults palatable, they will be sung for you by R&B superstar John Legend. I'm not joking. That's enough from me, and so welcome to episode 6 of Let's Talk About Chef. Gordon Ramsay is somebody who you all know. His anger and tirades that can be seen on any one of his 16 and counting television shows that include Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares, The F Word, Hotel Hell, MasterChef, MasterChef Junior, Home Cooking, Cookery Course, Gordon Behind Bars, and Gordon's Great Escape are watched every week by millions of people. He is not only entertaining and quite possibly the most famous chef alive, but he's also cemented his place among the biggest celebrities on the planet. Ramsay is everywhere. He owns 36 restaurants from London to Las Vegas to Hong Kong, currently has seven Michelin stars, over 39 cookbooks, and is worth a staggering $190 million. And he doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Most of the planet know Ramsay because of his absolute mastery in the art of screaming insults into the faces of trembling cooks. Insults, like this one. Take it away, John. I'll get you more pumpkin and I'll ram it right up your fucking arse. Would you like it whole or would you like it diced? However, for cooks and chefs, Gordon Ramsay means something different. He was one of the most talented and well-respected chefs in the world. Before television audiences in the millions would tune in to watch his ridiculous antics and tantrums, he was able to carve out a culinary career that still inspires those of us that know and understand how important he actually was to the food world. Ramsay was our secret. He was one of those names that you would look up to and talk about in the kitchen long before the rest of the world caught up and paid attention to him for completely different reasons. He worked in some of the best restaurants in Europe under some of the best chefs of the decade, and because of his relentless work ethic and relentless demand for perfection, he cracked the code on modern cuisine. He was an icon to chefs and cooks long before the spotlight came, and the life before the fame and global media domination is what we're going to talk about. It's a fascinating story. This week on, let's talk about chef Gordon Ramsay before the cameras came calling. (laughs) Gordon was born in Scotland in 1966, but grew up in Stratford-upon-Avon. His childhood was not a good one. Ramsay's father was a drunk, a violent drunk, and his childhood was filled with abuse, both emotional and physical. Basically, Ramsay's dad would beat the shit out of him, and would often move the family around to follow the promise of another get-rich-quick scheme or to stay one step ahead of the law. By the time he was 16, Ramsay had had enough of his father, and one night he packed what few things he owned, and he left had bigger things to worry about than a drunk dad who didn't care about him. Like most kids that grew up in England, Ramsey was completely obsessed with soccer. If you don't understand how big of a deal soccer is to England, think about the most obsessed sports fanatic you know, and then times that by about five. Not unlike any of his friends, he dreamed of one day becoming a professional player. But there was one major difference between Gordon and his friends. He was good. He was really good, and it seemed like he was on track to becoming what he had always dreamt of, a player for his favorite team, the Rangers. When he finally got the call to come and try out for the team, Gordon was ecstatic, and was a shoe in for a spot on the youth team, which is basically a training team to groom players for the big leagues. But then it happened. During the game, a bad tackle by another player, and his knee was instantly destroyed. Can you imagine what must have been going through his head when that one bad play ended what he had spent his whole life working towards? Lying on the field, holding his knee, while the coaches and players that he admired shook their heads and said what a shame and crossed his name off the list. It must have been horrible. Gordon tried to recover from his injury, and for the next few years would keep trying out for teams, but it was done. His knee just couldn't keep up with the pressure, and at the age of 20, financially broke and unsure about what to do with his life, he entered into the North Oxfordshire Technical College to study culinary management. During his time at college, you would maybe think that Gordon would give up. The world is littered with people that after failing and suffering defeat, they stop trying and slide through a mediocre existence. But not Ramsey. He threw himself into his courses, studying, learning, and cooking everything he could get his hands on. His idols changed from soccer stars to chefs. He would learn recipes and dishes from their kitchens with the same fervor and enthusiasm that he used to have memorizing stats of famous soccer players and teams. He was obsessed, and somewhere in the back of his head, he knew that this was probably his last chance, his only chance, to do something with his life. By the time he graduated, he had only one goal, to go and cook for the best chefs in Europe. Only the best would be his mentors, and he would learn as much as he could, and then one day he would figure out how to open his own restaurant. But first he needed money. And so he got a job as a commie chef at the Roxton House Hotel as a cook, where very, very quickly he was fired because of a sexual scandal that involved the owner of the hotel finding out that his wife and Gordon were having an affair. You put so much oil in this The U.S. wanted to invade the fucking plate Hey guys, it's Brian Look, I'm a chef And basically until a few weeks ago I would wake up, drink some coffee And head into work I haven't eaten breakfast in years I'm almost 33 years old And my body at the end of the day Is not pleased with my choice of nourishment And that's where Revive Organics comes in Revive Organics delivers organic, preservative-free smoothies right to your door, frozen and ready to blend in the morning. It honestly takes less time to make a healthy and nutritious smoothie than it does to brew a pot of coffee, and at the end of the day, I don't feel like crap. My body is getting the energy it needs every single day, and I feel great. If you want to make a change to your life that is so easy to do, visit reviveorganics.ca to find out how you can start your days off on the right track. And now... Back to the show. Shortly after the sexual scandal that happened at his first kitchen job, at that time in England, there was only one name that was on everybody's lips in kitchens. One long-haired, psychotic chef who was taking over London at his restaurant called Harvey's, Marco Pierre White. So Ramsey went and got himself hired by the chef that for two years he called his mentor. It was during his time as a sous chef at the infamous incident occurred where Marco Pierre White during one of his legendary torrents of verbal and probably physical abuse made Gordon cry. It's a story that both men are still asked about to this day. It wasn't all yelling and screaming at Harvey's. If you remember our previous episode on Marco Pierre White, then you will know how important and forward-thinking he was. And Gordon threw himself into the work, learning new techniques and methods that were being invented right in front of his eyes. The training that he underwent during his time in Marco's kitchen was so impressive that after nearly three years at Harvey's, he was able to move to Paris and work for Guy Savoy and one of the greatest chefs in all of history, Joël Rubichon. Gordon's time in Paris was so important to the bunny young cook. Here he was, 24 years old, and living in the Temple of French and World Gastronomy, working for one of the greats. Every day he would wake up hours before his shift started and roam the markets, eating and studying the bread, produce, and seafood that would overflow from the vendors' baskets. He spent every spare second in bistros and restaurants, eating and learning how the food was being made. His hunger for knowledge and to be the best was driving him towards a life that only four years ago wasn't even a thought in his head. He barely ever thought about soccer. Food was all that mattered. Ramsay continued to work for three years in France, including a stint in the French Alps. But after three years of trying to survive the demands and stress of a French Michelin kitchen... He took a job for a year being a personal chef on a private yacht called the Ida Wild, based out of Bermuda. So for 12 months, he sailed around the world, spending a great deal of time in Sicily, learning about Italian cuisine. But after that year of luxury and exotic locations, he yearned for the kitchens of England again, wanting to get back to what he knew he was best at, being a chef. So in 1993, Gordon moved back to London to become the head chef at LAC of Roche, the same restaurant that Marco Pierre White worked at as a cook right before he opened Harvey's. And all of a sudden, Ramsey was in his element. He was finally in charge of a kitchen and an absolutely famous one at that. He was a head chef of a Michelin-starred restaurant and he threw himself into that kitchen the only way he knew how. From watching both Marco and Joël Rubichon screaming and demanding perfection. And so the tirades and insults began, and trust me, What you have seen on TV is nothing to what those cooks who worked for him had to experience. However, inheriting a kitchen that already had Michelin stars was fine. It was a good career move, and most chefs would get the chance wouldn't be bothered by it. But most chefs aren't Gordon Ramsay. He wanted to earn his own stars. He wanted to win, and after a few months of making a name for himself, Marco Pierre White came calling, and he wanted Gordon to be the head chef of a new restaurant he was opening. A restaurant where Michelin stars had to be earned. A restaurant that would really test the young chef. And so he quit La Gavroche and went to open the new restaurant, Aubergine. It did not take long for word to start to spread about the food that was being served at Aubergine. And also word about the young and slightly terrifying head chef. Gordon demanded perfection. Hated failure and would not hesitate to tell his cooks exactly what he thought if they tried to serve something that was not up to his standards. Again, you have to understand that unlike some chefs that can just float through life and jobs not really caring and not trying the hardest that they can every single day, Gordon was different. He had already been at the bottom. He had spent his life at the bottom, and he didn't ever want to go there again. And so he worked his ass off. There were not enough hours in the day to fill the constant drive, and after 17 months of every single day demanding excellence in striving to reach for it, he got his first Michelin star. And soon after, Aubergine was awarded with two stars. You would think that this was welcome news to the young chef, that he would be happy and feel a sense of accomplishment, but he didn't. It wasn't his restaurant. His name was not on the door. It was Marco's Restaurant. And even though he was the chef and he was in charge of the kitchen, two stars for somebody else just wasn't going to cut it. It wasn't good enough. Soon enough, the other investors in the restaurant said they wanted to open another location of aubergine, turn it into a fine dining franchise of sorts, and Ramsay had had enough. He quit. He quit the possibility of making millions of dollars, setting himself up for financial success beyond his wildest dreams. But it wasn't his success. And so he made what he has described as the toughest decision he ever had to make. He bet on himself and went on to open his own restaurant. There's more olive oil on this. There's more olive oil on this than Popeyes did. At this point, Gordon was a highly respectable and somewhat famous chef. He had made a few television appearances as a guest judge on an early British version of the show MasterChef. But at this time in 1998, he only had one thing on his mind. Opening restaurant Gordon Ramsay in Chelsea. When the restaurant opened, Gordon started to operate at such a fierce and unmatchable level that it quickly became one of the most sought-after reservations in England. The food that he was preparing in his kitchen was dumbfounding critics and diners alike. The perfection of how everything was cooked and the ideas behind the dishes were so elegant and so delicious, that only a short time after opening, he received his sought-after first Michelin star. The public could not get enough of the chef who was already known for his fierce temper and poetic slinging of insults. And in that first year, the BBC filmed a short documentary called Boiling Point, which showed Ramsay during a dinner service yelling and screaming at his cooks while they attempted to craft his dishes. The television audience was enraptured. A second Michelin star followed the next year, and then finally, in 2001, the third Michelin star was awarded to his restaurant. He had become the youngest Scottish chef to ever be awarded three stars. He has said that when he received that third star, all of the hard work and sheer effort he had put into working towards it finally made the pain of failing to become a soccer player go away. He was the best chef in England, truly one of the best chefs in the world, and he couldn't be happier. The BBC filmed another documentary called Beyond Boiling Point, again showing Ramsay in his kitchen. And because of the absolute success of it, they offered Ramsay his own television show. Their idea was that he would go to struggling restaurants around Britain and tell them how to do things better. It would be a no-holds-barred show about how to run a kitchen properly. It would be amazing. They wanted to call it Kitchen Nightmares. Restaurant Gordon Ramsay to this day has maintained its three Michelin stars. And although he hasn't cooked in his kitchen for a very long time, it was the ship that launched his career. By 2004, the first series of British kitchen nightmares aired. And that, as they say, is that. Ramsay became a celebrity. He stepped away from his kitchens and began to go around the world filming and making television. One year later, in 2005... Fox introduced Ramsay to American audiences with the first season of Hell's Kitchen. And by the millions, people watched him scream and throw things around, demanding his teams of regular cooks to perform for the cameras. He became a superstar. He cemented his name on the small screen, and he will presumably continue to do so for a very long time. It is strange to think that a young Scottish soccer hopeful at the age of 20 got hurt, went to culinary school, And would somehow in only eleven years become the most special and prolific chef in England. In eleven years he did more than most chefs will do in their entire lives. The food that he created during that time has influenced menus and cooks everywhere, and despite whatever you think about him as a person, a character, or his television career, you cannot tell me that to go from nothing to everything in such a short period of time is anything but spectacular. I know that when I think about Gordon Ramsay, I don't think about his television shows. I think about the man in the kitchen demanding perfection. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. The show is written by me, Brian Clark. It's produced by Timothy McDonald. Our theme song is Cone of Light by the Almighty Defenders. I want to thank Revive Organics for again letting us talk about them this week. If you want to reach out to us, you can write to us at letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com and please help to spread the word about our show by rating and reviewing it on whichever platforms you listen to us on. Next week, we are back on Wednesday with a brand new episode of 86th History. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Brian Clark. Have a great week. What's that, that's the-